0: We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nkhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and We Are Women, Beauty Redefined. If you've been part of our community for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of self-care, feeling and looking our best from the inside out. I am so excited to share with you part of my own wellness journey with a wonderful studio that truly focuses on you becoming your healthiest self inside and out. This podcast episode is sponsored by Olivia Wellness, a wellness studio that I've been going to for close to a year now, and I'm a huge fan of. We all want to feel and look our best from the inside out. That means glowing skin, a healthy immune system, increased energy, and less bloating and inflammation. Olivia Wellness is a wellness studio located in Herald Square in Hoboken, New Jersey, dedicated to detoxification and self-care with services in colon hydrotherapy and lymphatic drainage. Colon hydrotherapy is used to eliminate toxins, leading to a healthier body and reduced inflammation from the inside out. Paired with Olivia's signature 60-minute lymphatic drainage massage and you're in for a relaxing day of detoxing. You deserve to feel your best. Visit oliviawellness.co, that's A-L-I-V-I-O-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot C-O, and use code Carmela 10 for $10 off an individual service. I am so excited for tonight's interview featuring Hala Taha. She is the host of Young and Profiting Podcast, the CEO of Yacht Media, and she happens to be one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. We actually met um, during, it was a Zoom phone call, and she offered me some really great advice and some questions I had regarding business. And I could sense right away that Hala was one of those people who was not afraid to share her knowledge, her success, help other women, and it was just a beautiful thing to experience. When I asked her to come on the show, Hala agreed right away. She responded to my DM immediately. And I am so excited for you to hear her story, her flow of her entrepreneurial journey and successes, which as you'll hear were paved with rejections and struggles along the way. She talks about the moment when things shifted and she left her corporate job to pursue her entrepreneurial dreams full time. She also talks about how the rejections in her life paved the way for her current success, how she lost relationships along her journey, friends, significant other. Halle spoke about how she was able to continue pursuing her dreams, even though so many people around her were trying to discourage her, and share some really great advice for women who are trying to pursue their dreams and maybe are getting discouragement from those around them. We spoke about how it's important to celebrate your careers and accomplishments as women, even when it's not necessarily about getting married and having babies. Hala shared how being a woman of color impacted her success and how discrimination and standing on the sidelines as a young ethnic girl gave her this extra drive and motivation to be successful. I was so impressed with the way that Hala spoke about the idea of competition and how she literally helps her competition outgrow her sometimes. I just can't wait for you to hear this episode. I know that you're going to learn a lot and be inspired.
1: Everybody knew that I sang before I spoke. So I kind of always knew that I wanted to use my voice to impact the world from a young age. So there's a big joke in my family that I sang before I spoke. I was really outgoing. I'd be the one like singing and dancing at all the parties. I was also always sort of like an entrepreneur. By four years old, I was like selling my artwork uh, when my ki- brothers and sisters were at Sunday school, I'd like try to make money off the moms and like sell my artwork <laughs> and I would like get like all the kids to like make their art and I would sell it. And I was always like having some scheme to make money. So, like people were having lemonade stands, I would like one up them and have like slushy stands and like sell <laughs> bracelets at the park and like all this stuff. And so I was always making money from a young age. And actually, I've been working since I was 13 and I'm Arabic and All my family are doctors and my parents hated that I wanted to work. And I used to like beg them to allow me to like work at the mall and like do stuff like that because I wanted cool clothes and I wanted my independence. And so I've been working since I was 13, always very hardworking, not like the smartest person in the world. I wasn't like this, like straight A, like book nerd at all. In fact, I did terrible in my undergrad. I was pretty much a party girl. Uh, I did get a 4.0 in college in my MBA though, <laughs> when I was trying to redeem myself. But basically I love to work hard. I love to sing. Act. Um, I was pretty into sports. When 9 11 happened, I didn't get a lot of opportunities that happened to me in high school. And I tended to get rejected a lot. I didn't make any sports teams. I had the best voice in school. They didn't allow me in the talent show, actually. So, like, I went through a period of four years where I was very stagnant, and partially because of what was going on in the world. Uh, but it gave me thick skin. I don't regret any of it because by the time I got into college, I was not afraid of rejection, and I got everything that I went after. And I got an internship really early on at a radio station, Hot ninety seven, and that kind of kicked off my whole career and and how I got to where I am today.
0: Wow, wow, yeah, it makes total sense. By the way, when I read about you that you started your career in radio, I'm like, oh, of course you did, of course you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you sp- you you spoke about uh, well, you you speak about um, you know that kind of shift to tremendous success that your career took. Could you talk a little bit about that shift and then kind of how your relationships evolved during that time period?
1: Yeah, 100%. So basically, I started a Young and Profiting podcast as a side hustle while working in corporate. Before that, I was in entertainment. So like I said, I interned for free at a radio station for three years, Hot 97, in college. I actually dropped out of school to do this internship. Then I went back to school, finished school, and I started a blog called The Sorority of Hip Hop. Became one of the biggest blogs in the world. We ran like all the parties in the city. I had all these connections from Hot 97 and all the DJs. And I'd host events. I had online radio shows on the site. We hosted concerts and we had this huge blog. And we were the sorority of hip hop. I was the president. And we almost <laughs> got a show on MTV twice. Okay? Wow. MTV pulled the plug. They filmed us all summer. I was literally going to be the next... Snooki. I was going to be the next. It was right after Jersey Shore ended. And I was going to have the next big show on MTV. Last minute, after filming us all summer, they pulled the plug. They actually caused a lot of friction between me and the girls. And the whole sorority fell apart. I shut it down. And I thought, that's it. I did, you know, Hot 97 for three years. They fired me. Then I did this vlog. It took off. I was, like, f- like, famous in New York and tri-state area. MTV dropped me. I obviously am not cut out for this. Maybe my parents were right. I should have just been a doctor. Let me just like go back to school, get a regular job, be normal. And for four years, I lost my way. I just gave up and I just thought I was just going to be normal. Now I did great in corporate. I was an entrepreneur at the company. I had so much different skills. I had no institutional knowledge. So I learned from the internet and I was really tech savvy, really great on social podcasts, all those kind of like innovative things at the time. Like nobody really knew how to do social and like I knew all about it. And so I was like the most tech savvy person at Hewlett Packard, which was my first corporate job. And I got promoted every like six months and I just kept getting promoted and promoted and promoted. And I started making my first six figures and it was the first time that I ever made any money. And I actually started corporate really late. I started corporate. I was probably, I was I got my MBA at the same time. I started corporate at like 28 years old. And so I was worried that I was going to be so behind everyone, but I like was like j- doing leaps above everyone because I had no institutional knowledge and was just getting promoted left and right. So... I didn't get an opportunity that I wanted at Hewlett-Packard four years into it, and that triggered me to launch my podcast. Podcasting was getting more mainstream. It was not as technical to get into it. Uh, Podcasting were around for years before that, but I never did it because it was very technical, and that scared me. And also, it was hard to listen to. Like, there wasn't a lot of mainstream people like listening to podcasts. By 2018, more people were into podcasts And I saw, saw it as a big opportunity. I was like, well, I have audio production experience. I used to work at the radio station. I was even doing interviews at Hewlett Packard. I was like interviewing the CEO and the CMO for like internal events. I was like still doing the same shit, just like at a corporate job. And I was like, well, why don't I just like parlay all of this experience into this new idea, Young and Profiting podcast.'" And again, it stemmed from like not getting an opportunity. And so I just focused on it. I started it as a side hustle. I was very scared of taking anything full time. I thought that it was never going to make money. I thought that it was just a hobby, that I was just giving back to the world, being of service. And it was magnetic from the start. Like I did a great job. My episode one and two and three, I'm really proud of them. And by episode two, I had my first volunteer. By episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel. And so I grew my team really... Really fast, and it was fans that would reach out to me on LinkedIn, which is where I started my personal brand and to promote my show. And I, I'm one of the biggest influencers on that platform now. And it was just fans who reached out who wanted to help. And so I started, you know, growing my show. I started scaling it with a team. I got big guests from the start because I had a great story and a lot of potential, and people believed in me. And so I just kept growing it, growing my LinkedIn. Um, and then two years into it, uh, my dad actually got COVID. And I found myself working at Disney streaming services at the time and having to move back to my parents' house to take care of them because they got COVID. Little did I know that I'd be there for three months, um, you know, because I got COVID and we were one of the first families impacted in New Jersey. All my friends were scared to see me. My boyfriend was scared to see me. And so I didn't see anyone for three months. Disney sent everybody to work from home. So there was no commute. And I found myself with all this time. I was had a corporate job. I had a podcast. But I had no friends because it was COVID and nobody, and I had COVID like at one point, nobody, everybody was scared of me. My boyfriend didn't even want to see me. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to start a company because people would come on my show and they'd always ask me the same thing. They'd be like, Hala, who does your marketing? How did you blow up on LinkedIn? How did you grow this podcast? How are you doing this? And I was like, I have a volunteer team of interns and and just like fans that help me. And I just teach them what to do. And then one lady, Heather Monahan, like didn't take no for an answer. Cause I would always just say, no, like I'm happy with my job, like kind of leave me alone. And Heather Monahan just kept at it. She's this huge influencer on LinkedIn. And she's like, Holly, like, you have to do my videos. Like, I'm not going to leave you alone. So she was my first client. And I'm really transparent about money because I feel like, especially as, like, an ethnic woman, I want women to know, like, you can make money as an entrepreneur and, like, things are possible. And so Heather was my first client. I obviously started small. She was, like, my guinea pig. And I charged her $800 a month to do her LinkedIn. My next client was a month. And I took over all his LinkedIn, all his Instagram, all his podcast, and then everything just took off. Um, I ended up doing my side hustle for eight months and deciding to quit my job. Now you asked me a question, like, you know, it was like not that easy and it wasn't because my ex-boyfriend who I was with for almost 12 years at the time he was very against me starting a company. He's an entrepreneur himself, but he was so infatuated with me being an executive at Disney. Like he thought that was like the sexiest thing. And he like was just in love with the fact that I was like this corporate girl and he couldn't see me in any other way. And he just wanted me to have my hobby podcast and my corporate job. And he did not want me to be an entrepreneur. And so he actually like, really was was very mean to me about it. And I ended up having to move out of our house and I lived with my mom's house for like almost nine months. And I just built my, focus on my company. I started my company. I ended up quitting my job very soon after to take Yap yeah, full time and everything took off. And I'm so happy I, I made that decision. And I just, you know, focused on myself, my company, my career uh, delayed gratification for a while and just hustled.
0: Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And, and such a shame that your boyfriend was infatuated with this idea of who he wanted you to be instead of appreciating who you wanted to be, you know?
1: I, I know. And sometimes I think he regrets it now, you know, but the damage was done.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Was that, by the way, was he the only one? Cause you wrote about friends.
1: Oh yeah, and then I also had, you know, some troubles with my friends throughout this come up. So it's really difficult, you know, like I'm I'm trying to be like that like 1% of person, right? I'm getting like really successful. I have a team of 60, I'm like in my early 30s still and the type of success that I'm having is like what people experience I feel like when they're like 50 years old, right? And I'm having it really early and it's causing friction with a lot of my relationships and especially at that pivotal point because people thought it was cute when it was just like a small podcast, but like once like my Instagram started growing and I started going viral on LinkedIn, it's like my friends just starting to like pull back and I felt a lot of jealousy and I felt like a lot of people, um, like there was a pivotal point where I remember my friends were like, why are you doing this podcast? Is it because your boyfriend hasn't married you? I remember them telling me that, oh, yeah. are like, are, you're only doing this because you're bored and he hasn't married you yet. And I was like, guys, you've known me forever. I used to work at a radio station. I used to be the president of the sorority of hip hop. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is so me. Like, how are you not seeing it that this is my destiny? You know. And so, like, and it's and it's because honestly, they were insecure themselves. Like, they're they're letting their they're mad because they didn't go take a risk. And all. And they used to tell me too, like, aren't you too old to start a podcast? Like, didn't you already try this and it failed? Like, you already got rejected from Hot 97. You already got rejected from MTV. And so like, You know, I just decided to part ways from people who didn't believe in me. And I just really focused on creating a new circle of people, my business partners, my other friends, who were supportive, who did believe in me, who gave me good energy, who didn't try to make me feel small. And I moved away from all the people who tried to make me feel small, and unfortunately, the people who loved me the most and who I was closest with wanted me to be small because I, it was intimidating for me to be bigger. And so I had to part ways with those people and it was really difficult. I have to say like it was really lonely for the first like year or so of having to lose so many people at once, but now like I don't regret it for a second cuz I feel like I'm my life feels so full. Like I've got a new love, I've got a new new friends and it's just, you know, a great career and it's following my dreams and not following what other people want from me.
0: For sure. And that is so important. How are you able to, you know, at the time, because now looking back, you could say, oh, of course it was worth it. But at the time, how are you able to kind of shift your mindset to, to tell yourself, you know, that this is the right thing to do, even though everyone else is telling you otherwise?
1: I was just believed in myself, you know, like I I really felt like it was my destiny pulling me and I felt like this is what I've dreamed of since I was a little girl. Everything is going right. You know, when, when, when the universe is like giving you one thing after the next, after the next, like my podcast blew up. I I became an influencer on LinkedIn. I've been trying to be an influencer for 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? And Strawberry Blunt was huge, but it was more – it was before the, like, social media really was anything. And so, like, I didn't really have that opportunity with the sorority of hip-hop and Strawberry Blunt to, like, become an influencer and all those kinds of things. So it's, like, finally, like, I had what I wanted, like, a platform with, like – thousands and thousands of people who were like listening to my advice and and allowing me to make an impact and be of service. And so all these things kept showing me that I was doing the right thing. I was growing. I was getting an audience. I was getting sponsorships. I was getting clients. So for me, it was like, well, this is like downstream. I'm following the flow Mm -hmm. and my people around me just can't handle it. You know what I mean? They can't handle what's going on. But that's not my problem. And I feel like if it's meant to be, if I'm meant to be friends with these people, if I'm meant to get back with my ex, it's going to happen. But on my own terms, I'm I'm not going to stop my life and change the trajectory of my potential for anyone else. And so I just believed in myself and just decided like, Hey, like I've, you know, I still have some people who love me and support me and I'm just going to go for it, you know? And, and plus like I've got the responsibility of 60 people now. And so like they're getting a paycheck from me and I'm responsible for their livelihood. So I've got to just keep it moving.
0: For sure. for sure. Do you have any advice for women who, you know, maybe are being told
1: not to pursue their passions and their dreams? What I'll say is that you are the only person that can make that decision for you. Don't listen to anyone. And by the way, people may really love you and care for you. Like there's no doubt in my mind that my childhood friends loved me. My ex-boyfriend loved me. They literally thought they were giving me good advice, but you cannot take advice from people who have not been where you want to go. And so for me to answer your other question too, I was having mentors like Heather Monahan, who's like a huge LinkedIn influencer. She's a speaker, she's an author, she's everything who I want to be in ten years. She's who I want to be in ten years. She was like, "Holla, you got to do this! Like, this is meant for you! Like, you're gonna be an amazing entrepreneur. You're gonna be so rich! Like, listen to me, jump, jump, jump!" Then I had Jordan Harbinger, a huge podcaster who's like a number one podcaster in the world. "Holla, like, I really think you're gonna be the number one female podcaster. Like, this is the best episode I've ever been on. Like, you're on to something. Like, keep going. Let's do this." When you have people who've been where you want to go telling you to keep going and then you have people who've never been where you want to go to tell you to stop, then you know that there's something off. And so it's like I did listen to feedback. I didn't just, like, ignore all the feedback. I did listen to feedback, but I I tried to only listen to feedback that was relevant based on their experience. So if you're, you know, a housewife, why do you have the right to tell me that I can't be an entrepreneur or that, like, I can't have a number one podcast? Like, what do you know about that? You don't, right? And okay. so… That's like, you know, and then I also just realized that some people are just jealous. Like if you like I got on the cover of podcast magazine and my friends didn't even share it. It's like I like achieved some like pivotal milestone in my life and nobody celebrated it like a lot of my close friends didn't celebrate it. And that ticked me off to be like, well, if people aren't going to support me in like my most like pivotal moments, but then they expect me to be at every baby shower, every every kid's birthday, every this or that. I hate that crap. I feel like women should be celebrated for their careers and their families. And I feel like for me, that was a big disconnect. And I was like, I just need to move on.
0: For sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's a whole other discussion, really, um, about women being celebrated for their careers as well. Because, you know, we have this pressure especially and i'm sure you felt this too coming from the an arabic background right i, I come from a jewish background so we kind of are similar in, in you know in those ways in regards to marriage and family and really i mean america in general is kind of heading in that direction that that pressure and that um when you're married you're on a, in a higher level of success and it's just it's, it's just not not the case you know
1: 100%. I mean, marriage doesn't mean anything. Anybody can get married. And I'm not saying marriage is bad. And I feel like everyone's goals, it's its your goal. Everyone is allowed to have their dreams. Some people dream of being a wife, having a family, whatever. I dream of being a wife and having a family. That's definitely going to happen for me too. But you're allowed to have outside dreams. Right. You're allowed to be a powerful woman. You're allowed to be a rich woman. You're allowed to be a rich minority woman, a rich, powerful minority woman. The number one podcaster in the world Like, can be a... Of an ethnic woman, right? And that's what I hope to be one day. And so for me, it was just like, I just didn't want to think so small. Because it seemed like everybody thought, at one point in my life, everybody thought that all I could amount to would be like a nurse or something, you know? And then at another point in my life, it was like, well, you could only just be an executive in corporate. And it's like, no, I could be whatever the heck I want to be if I believe that I can, you know? And so I just want everyone to know that life is limitless and you can go after your dreams no matter what age you are. Right. Right. And that's definitely a great
0: point that it's what your dream is and that's what matters, you know, not about what society's dream is. So speaking of being an ethnic woman, woman of color, how has that affected your, your path, your journey towards success?
1: I think it's totally impacted me. I think one of the reasons why I wasn't happy at Disney, which was my second corporate job, was because it was a boys club and because I felt like they were treating me like a little girl, even though I was in my 30s or like I had just turned 30 and I was rocking it and had lots of experience and they had hired me for this role and I saw boys younger than me getting promoted over me for no good reason and it made me realize that I wanted to be the gatekeeper of my own life and wanted to be in control of my success, my financial wealth, my future and become an entrepreneur. And so I'm super happy that I was discriminated against to a degree because it actually kicked me in the butt a little bit. I'm not sure I would have taken the leap into entrepreneurship had my career been as great as it was at Hewlett-Packard, for example, which had a female CEO. It was a much different culture, right? So I went to Disney. It was like males club, boys club, no – Like I would have to stay there for 30 years before I had any sort of like VP position or something. And so it kicked me in the butt. And now I I think it's actually um, a unique advantage that I have. I think a lot of sponsors love to sponsor me because I'm a different looking person. I'm a different voice. I represent minorities. I feel like I can relate to guests in a different way. I think I stand out more in terms of even the guests that come on my show, they're like, wow, like you're much different looking than everybody else who interviews me. And I just love being a role model. I love being that for other women because I feel like no matter if you're Jewish, Arabic, Spanish, I feel like when you see me on the mic and you see me rising in this space, I hope that it inspires other people to, to think that they could do it too.
0: Oh, for sure, I'm sure it does. It inspired me when I saw you. I was like, oh wow, cool, woman of color, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and and you're beautiful, and and you're and you're intelligent, you know, and that's. Um, that's so and that that's inspiring to see you know a woman who's who's a strong woman but also a feminine woman, yeah, and speaking of which, how would you say that you combine your feminine energy with being you know w- with that powerful strength of yours as well?
1: I think I have, my therapist told me I have very masculine energy, but I feel <laughs> like, I feel like I look really feminine. My mentor Heather Monahan is like this too. Like I have really masculine energy. So this is really funny because I, I've, I've been learning more about it and like masculine energy is like pushing for things. And I'm, I'm very much like that. Like if I, I'll make something happen. Feminine energy is allowing things to happen but i'm very much a person who makes things happen and like who like will like push things forward and like just make sure no matter what i'll take the action to do it but I've been trying to channel more of my feminine energy and just trying to like receive and things like that. But at the end of the day, I don't care. I'll have masculine energy if it means I'm going to crush in this industry. <laughs> I mean, like it is what it is. I feel like that's also why I stand out. And by the way, most of my listeners are male. I actually have like 70% male listenership. And that makes me really unique too because most female podcasters only have a female audience. For some reason, I'm able to connect with males really well too. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I I also love that you
0: still have that feminine, I'm going to say intuition, you know, and that, that energy about you. That's like the softness that's relatable to other women. It's not,
1: there's no intimidation factor that you find with people who are super masculine. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. I feel like I, I pair the masculinity with like bubbly and like (laughs) really girly, you know what I mean? Like I'm really girly, bubbly, and then somehow have this like Napoleon syndrome kind of like I'm really petite too. So like my friends always say like, you're like a little Napoleon, you're always wanting to lead. And yeah.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I mean, I can't see that, but I I, I could see that. Um, But yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. So as, as a woman of color, you know, growing up in the U S have you ever felt um, like you were maybe a little invisible? I know you spoke a little bit about it in regards to being, you know, your, your work in Disney, but um, how about in life in general?
1: Um, I have felt discriminated, especially for my name. So like, I actually look pretty like ambiguous, right? Like you're like, you could think I'm Spanish or Argentinian or like whatever it is. And so in like real life, like if I was working at the mall or like people just met me, nobody's like discriminating against me because like, I don't have an accent, I look like really American or Spanish or whatever. I'm not threatening, right? But my name is Halataha. And so it was always really hard to like get an internship or get a job or I'd always have to like put my picture on something just to make sure that nobody would discriminate against me. And so actually like getting my first few jobs was really difficult. And part of it, I believe, was from my name. And also like being Arabic, I'm Palestinian, which is like – you know, like there's like lots of, for a while, like I remember growing up and people would come up to me when I was a little girl and they'd be, I'd be, they'd be like, oh, what'd you do this summer?" And I'd be like, oh, I went to Palestine, visited my family. Like, and they'd be like, there's no such thing as Palestine. And I'd be like, uh, okay. Like you're just trying to erase my history. Okay. And so it was just like really weird things like that growing up. Um, and then 9-11 happened and I was definitely discriminated with that, I think I briefly mentioned that. I, I have a really good singing voice. I actually wanted to be a singer for most of my life. And there was a period of time where I went from being the lead in all the plays to not even being allowed to be in the talent show. And that's when you know that it's discrimination because it's like, I clearly had the talent. You guys were p- picking me for all the parts before. And then now all of a sudden, like, I'm never allowed to do anything. And so I didn't get make the sports teams in high school. I didn't get on the talent show. But again, i it's all part of my journey. It's all I'm so thankful because it made me who I am today. I'm so good at dealing with rejection. I, I it's like no skin off my back. If anything, all the everything that I've done that's made me successful has come on the heels of rejection my whole life now. And so I'm super thankful for the journey, and um, I'm I'm happy that I'm able to be this role model for other ethnic women. Wow, I love that. And you
0: know, you just brought up something that that I wanna like kind of. Talk about a little bit because <laughs> you brought it up the idea of, you know, I come from, I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman and you come from a Palestinian background. And something that I try to focus on within my brand is that idea of connection and about pure love for each other, even regardless of where you come from. And I see that you're very similar because I'm sure you knew like my backgrounds when you agreed to be on this podcast when we initially connected. So my question to you is, how do you think that? you know, we can make the world a better place and a place that people respect each other, no matter where they come from, especially women, especially women,
1: you know, I love this question. Now, I think that it's all about breaking boundaries. Like, you being Jewish made me want to come on the show more. In fact, my new boyfriend is Jewish, right? Oh, my best friend growing up is Jew- was Jewish. And one of the reasons why I like my new boyfriend so much, and I, I hope, like, we work out, is because I think it's really powerful. I think it's really powerful for the world, for a Palestinian and a Jew to be together, and 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 for me to be able to, you know, talk about human rights when it comes to Palestine and have nobody think anything else other than, I'm just talking about human rights, my freaking, you know, man is Jewish. Like, so nobody can tell me anything. Right. And so I just, you know, I really believe that People are people, everyone is beautiful. Religion is great, but it's, you know, it's 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 just what we use to have order in the world. We take it so seriously and I just feel like it's silly, you know, to take it that seriously and to not treat humans fairly. And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is The closer that people of different cultures and ethnicities can be and the friendships that are made and the love that is made, that is what's going to change the world. Nothing is going to change until there's no boundaries and there's no weirdness of that. And so for me, I feel like I love being friends with Jewish people. I love being romantic now with Jewish people. And that's because I feel like it's breaking down these boundaries that so badly need to be broken. Because once everybody is having families together, there's not going to be war and things like that, you know, like that this, that won't exist. So. Right. That's my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. No,
0: I definitely agree with the fact that you definitely articulated it well, but I think also part of what you're saying is to look deeper than the externals, you know, that, and as you said, people are people, we're all human beings and there's so much more to connection than the way that we
1: look or where we come from. Exactly. And I feel like there's so much to learn from each other and learn from our different experiences. And how are you going to learn the other perspectives if you don't ever get to know people of certain cultures just because it's been written for years that you're not allowed to be friends or lovers with them? Right. And so I just think, like, I like to me, that makes me want to do it more. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I feel like I just want to go break that rule, you know? And so here I am breaking the rules. Right. Actually, it's so funny because as you were talking, I'm thinking
0: to myself, I think you're the first. Middle Eastern woman that I've had on the podcast, actually, um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't done purposely. You know what I'm saying? Of course, but- there's
1: not that many of us like to, to <laughs> like that have like noteworthy things to be interviewed about. I mean, I've I've interviewed so many Israeli and Jewish people, and not one Middle Eastern person. So I need to fix that myself. Oh, well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so being a woman of color coming from Palestinian parents, did you ever? struggle with loving different aspects of yourself based on who you were surrounded
1: by and growing up in the US? Oh my gosh. That is a really good question. I felt very lost you know? So having immigrant parents is difficult in itself. Like they're trying to hold on to a culture sometimes stronger than like even people who are over there. Like a lot of the Arabic people and Middle Eastern people who came to America, like tried to be like more religious, more strict than they were even like overseas because they just wanted to keep their culture. Right. And so I remember like always being me. I've always been this like free bubbly, like love to dress however I want. My dad was really cool with it, not necessarily my mom. Like I would date and like, just like, I was like sort of like a party girl. And I was ostracized by the community. Like nobody's parents wanted me to hang out with them. I was like the bad girl in the Arabic community 100%. I was like labeled the bad girl. And in the American community, I was in a very white, affluent school, lots of Jewish kids, like, lots of Christian kids. And I was too, like, Arabic for them. And I got I fit in decently. But, like, when 9-11 happened, I told you already, like, I kind of, like, lost my way. And so for a period of time, especially in high school, like, I didn't fit in with the Arabs. I was, like, a bad girl. I didn't fit in with the American kids because I was Arabic. And I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Um, and so that was difficult, you know. And sometimes I feel like this little underdog, like, thing – it's like a chip on my shoulder. And it's one of the reasons why I feel like I'm so driven is because it's like, I have this chip on my shoulder. I want to be really successful. I want to prove to everyone, like, I'm not this dumb party girl. Like I can, Like you know, I did make it and like, you know what I mean? And so I love it. it. It gives me this like little underdog mentality. And I feel like that's super powerful when it comes to like drive and motivation.
0: For sure, yes. It's interesting because I've I've seen this dynamic pretty often where people who come from backgrounds where they had to prove themselves in any sort of way are the ones who are the most successful.
1: Exactly. And sometimes it's those setbacks that really, you know, slingshot you to success later on. I'm so thankful that like childhood wasn't perfect because up until high school, like I had a perfect childhood. I was like always getting on the sports teams, always this, always that. Had I done that then, like, once I was a young adult and got rejected, I wouldn't know how to handle it, right? But, like, every time I got rejected, I just channeled my energy into something new and then, like, leveled up in life every time. And so I'm super thankful that I had those experiences.
0: Right. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like you could tell when people have been through things because there's a certain energy about you. You know, also, like you mentioned, like, going to therapy. That's another thing. You know, when, when you're someone who works on, on yourself and you've been through things, It brings out a whole new glow to you, to your aura, to your energy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. But yeah, no, I really see that because there's this process of self-work that that makes us just
1: beautiful people, you know? Yeah. And honestly, like, I just try to have pure intentions. Like, I'm really – I started the podcast – not trying to make money, like, and I mean that with the bottom of my heart. Like I literally thought I was just starting a hobby because I had made my first six figures and I was like this broke, dumb entrepreneur when I was in my <laughs> mid twenties and like made no money and like started my whole career super late. And I was like, well, I want to just show people and interview like really smart people and help other people. And then it just like turned into some whole other thing. But it started with really pure intentions. And so I feel like anytime you just approach the world with a service mindset of like wanting to help other people, and to this day, me and you hopped on a call the other day. What did it turn into? Me just giving you advice for free.
0: Yes, that was so nice. You know what
1: I mean? And it's like I could charge $500 – an hour. But it's like, if I'm on the phone with somebody and like, I know the answer, I'm going to tell you, you know what I mean? Like I'm very transparent with my information. And I just feel like when you have that value service mindset, you get it back tenfold from the universe. And so I just love to help other people.
0: For sure. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Have you ever, you know,
1: struggled with comparison along your journey? I have a, a I have a whole other strategy when it comes to like competition. I always like turn my competition into my collaborators. That is like my number one strategy. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes like they'll just like there's like this one girl on LinkedIn who's like huge and she like was always mean to me and we never became friends. But like usually I can get them on my side and they become my collaborators. So like I don't know if you know this, but I'm one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. And when I first started my journey, I went out and I was like, who else is like popping off? Who's like a young podcaster on LinkedIn or like, who are all the influencers? And I'd reached out to all of them and I'm like, join my WhatsApp group. Like, let's have a, let's have a a monthly call mastermind and talk about podcasts. And, and like, I just like would make them my friends. And so I put all my competition in a WhatsApp group and I was like, let's support each other and, and let's have a monthly call and become friends. And then they all became my friends and it really helped me grow my following on LinkedIn. And so I always say collaboration over competition and I really, really try to figure out like are this is this my competitor, or can I collab with them and i I take that approach with everyone, and I just figure out how I can work together with them instead of competing I love
0: that that that's really beautiful because you're yeah i mean it's and it's so unique you know in this society, people are constantly competing with each other, and even you know the fact that you have this media company right, and what do you, what's something that you do within that company? you help female entrepreneurs podcasters grow their audience, but that's, you're also a female podcaster, right? So Mm -hmm. clearly it doesn't make a difference to you. You're still trying to, and, and you successfully grow their audience.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, and by the way, any podcast, right? So I do media buying for podcasts. I do, I have a social agency. I have a podcast production agency. And yeah, even my clients are like sort of my competition. A lot of them are female podcasters. A lot of them are influencers on LinkedIn. And I could be like, I want to be the biggest influencer. I'm not going to teach you all my tricks to make you go viral. I've made people bigger than me on LinkedIn. You know how frustrating it is? Like one of my clients got 100,000 likes. I've never gotten 100,000 <laughs> likes. I'm like, that was my post that you got got 100,000 likes, not yours. But I'm just joking. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it is what it is. There's enough pie for everyone. There's enough pie for everyone. And if you have a very really closed mindset and you think like there's just enough for me and not for anybody else, you're not going to get that abundance from the universe, So I just really feel like there's just enough for everyone and there's no need to be, like, selfish. There's no need to cover up information. Like, I feel like it's really weird when people don't just say what they know, um, and they're to be sneaky about it. And I just feel like people help me because I help other people. And, um, I really believe in like karma and things like that. And so I feel like I put out good in the world. I give people free advice. I try to help people. I try to do the best that I can. And then people help me too. I get a lot of help too. And I just feel like it's, it's this reciprocation. It's the energy to your point and having good energy can, can really help you in all aspects of your life.
0: Yes, I totally agree for sure. Yeah, you know, it, something that I constantly, I guess, this topic that I, com- I come across this a lot because I'm in the beauty industry is people always talk about how beauty affects your success in life. So I'm curious to hear from you. How do, do you
1: agree with that? And
0: what's, what's your take on, on that idea?
1: I, I do feel like there's a degree of, um, I do feel that your looks can help you in life. And it's true. Uh, But it's not necessarily like your bone structure. It's how put (laughs) together you are. Being put together and having like good hygiene and like doing your hair and and putting on a nice outfit. You don't have to be the most – attractive person genetically, but the hygiene and the care and, and putting yourself together gives you that confidence, right? And gives people a signal that like you've got your life together. I interviewed this guy, Chase Hughes, and he told me that he can tell on the phone if somebody has made their bed that day or not. Wow. wow. Based okay. on how they speak and their confidence. And so what I'm trying to say is that like being put together you have an aura when you're put together, when you have a clean house, when you do your hair, when you wear nice clothes, when you took a shower, like, and like, you know (laughs) that you're not fluffing, right? And so like, so I just feel like having like good hygiene can like get you really far. You don't have to be the hottest person in the world, but put yourself together and take the time to do it because people will think of you more highly just because they'll know that you took the effort and the time and and you look put together.
0: Yes, totally agree. I love your honesty, you know,
1: because a lot of people are like, no, (laughs) like, of course it doesn't, you know, but you're like, yeah, yeah, it really does. (laughs) Yeah. You got to take a shower and like brush your hair, brush your teeth, make sure you don't have bad breath. That's key.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let me ask you the last couple of questions. Um, you know, I'd love to hear first of all from you. How, what, when did you feel most beautiful?
1: I, I'm very, I love to get glammed up. I love to get my hair blown out and, you know, watch a YouTube video and and figure out how to, like, beat my face. Like, so (laughs) I feel most beautiful when I actually have time to get ready. It's really funny because, like, if you go look at my, like, social media feeds, I feel like sometimes I look great and sometimes I look like absolute shit. And it's because I have no time. And sometimes I'll be studying up until, like, 10 minutes before my interview and I'm like fuck I should probably put on some makeup before this show (laughs) and like you know sometimes I get my makeup done and sometimes I don't have time for it and so it just depends Um, but I feel most beautiful when I have ample time to get ready when I'm able to like give myself a nice blowout, do really beautiful makeup wear nice clothes get my nails done I love being a girly girl get my eyelashes (laughs) done I do it all Love that. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I'm the same way. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's so true, by the way. It's like the way you look makes you impact the way you feel. And then the way, you know, it just, it's, it's definitely so important. But um, okay. So um, let me ask you, if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would it be?
1: What I would say is that don't let the gatekeepers in your life preventing you from following your dreams. So I got rejected from Hot N E Seven, and that was a gatekeeper who didn't give me a job. I got rejected from MTV, and it was like a producer who didn't, you know, give the green light for the show. I, you know, got rejected from Disney to a degree because they, like, you know, was a manager who was looking over me for promotions and things like that. And all the big successes in my life was when I took control and i started my own thing and i you know didn't take no for an answer and i didn't let my friends or my lover or anyone tell me that i couldn't do what i wanted to do and i just took that leap of faith and i took control over my destiny so i want you guys to think about the gatekeepers in your life and i want you to realize that you are your own gatekeeper we live in the age of the internet where you can learn anything you can start a business literally tomorrow if you wanted to and not everybody should be an entrepreneur but if you find yourself, wanting more, you have a passion that you wish you could spend time, just start a side hustle. Start it. Do it. Get started. Take control over your life.
0: Yes, totally. That's really great advice. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: Thank you so much. Well, I would highly encourage everyone to go listen to Young and Profiting Podcast. You can find it on Apple, CastBox, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Subscribe. I recently interviewed Wim Hof, Ed Milet, Deepak Chopra. We've had some amazing episodes. I do so much research. It's great content. We unpack wisdom from the brightest minds in the world, and I give it my all. So I think you guys are going to love that show. Again, it's called Young and Profiting. You can find it on all the podcast players. You can also find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn. You can search for my name. It's Hala Taha. Love it. Thank you so much, Hala, for
0: joining me today. Thank you so much. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, carmelacosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard.